Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What up, everybody? It's another day to change the world. So in recent times, we've been hearing a lot about leaders that aren't quite what we thought they were. Maybe they've made a few mistakes. Maybe they've sort of devalued the people they were supposed to serve. So today's guest, Robert Glazer and I, we dive into those topics. How can we get people to be empowered within themselves so they can experience a lot of personal growth? How can leaders be held accountable and how can leaders be better? Also, we talk about his motivation behind Friday Forward, which is a newsletter that he sends out every Friday. And it's one of those type of emails that gets you productive, engaged, and really inspired to go about your day. So I want you to think about a few things as you're listening to Robert in this episode. Think about the ways you're going to schedule your priorities and think about the dates that you're going to achieve those priorities. All right. This is the homework I'm giving you. And I want you to write those things down and then email them to me. Okay. Email is taroxon, T-A-R-O-C-K-S-O-N at gmail.com. Or tweet them to me at Tyroxin or at Instagram. All right? No slackers here. I want to see that homework. For real. I want to see that homework. All right. Enjoy the episode. And thank you for being you. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's episode is with someone that is not shy about his opinions. He is Robert Glazer. He's the founder and managing director of Acceleration Partners, an industry-leading affiliate program management agency that helps preeminent brands, including Adidas, ModCloth, Reebok, Target, and Gimbury, I think. Gimbury, <laughs> uh, but that's all good. Gimbury, Gimbury, and Warby Parker. Um, he helps them establish and grow transparent brand-aligned and performance-driven affiliate programs. Another thing about Robert is that he's the author of the globally best-selling book, you know, Performance Partner uh, Partnerships, The Checkered Past, Changing Present, and Exciting Future of Affiliate Marketing. He also writes in an, an inspirational blog, which I'm part of. Uh, I, I found out this morning that I was on the list. It's called Friday Forward. And his passion for sharing his expertise and experiences in internet marketing, affiliate marketing, and marketing strategy has made him one of the most sought-after speakers across the globe. And I really, really... I'm honored to have him on the show as he uh, educates us on the future of affiliate marketing, what the global 
uh, Uberization of the world is like and what we should look for as future leaders and future uh, change makers. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Uh, the pleasure is mine. Thanks for correcting me on that. I guess Jimboree. <laughs> Obviously, that's a brand I need to be. Um... You're probably not their target market. So it's all good. <laughs> but give us a little insight as to who you are. I mean, obviously, you're, you're an amazing speaker. You have a your bestseller. You know, you have a, a great list where you you share inspirational content. But I'm very curious as to what went on behind the scenes to get you to where you are today. That's complicated. Uh, I think I, I think probably what went on behind the scenes was I was I was always a, an entrepreneur, but had had repressed it for for a while, or maybe didn't have the the risk tolerance, and spent a lot of time trying to improve other people's businesses and help them with their businesses, and then realized that that wasn't what I needed to be doing or should be doing. So once I once I decided to actually take the risk and. And I always had strong convictions, but probably didn't 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 have the risk tolerance to to act on them. And and when I, once I made that decision, I I hadn't looked back. I left my last real job about uh, exactly ten years ago. Started two companies at the time, and and I really never looked back from that. And just dove into things that were aligned with my with my values and my interests, and around marketing and building consumer brands and. That really evolved into customer acquisition. When I when I first lost launch acceleration partners, we helped a lot of companies with fundraising and getting off the ground. And the problem with trying to build a business helping companies with fundraising is that everyone needs your help, can't afford it. So it's not a great business model. Uh, but we moved up the the stack a little bit to towards acquisition, which was it was always about getting companies launched and and once you once you have your funding or if you fund yourself that the the key differentiator is is how you can acquire customers and do that profitably i think there's some great products out there that just don't have the awareness of other products because they don't they don't have the visibility of the acquisition model so anyone tells time someone tells me oh well, that company is doing the same thing or they have a better product if no one knows about it that company is not going to outperform the other company so Got very focused on on acquisition, online marketing, and really found the performance model and, and, and just found it aligned with a lot of things that I believed in around doing well when people do well and partnership and, and relationships combined with technology. Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, and it's uh, really interesting because I, I was giving you a little background about who I am and and what I do and what I've become really fascinated with, you know, even part of the genesis of this podcast is, is, you know, it's part of what went on behind the scenes with you. I, I noticed that obviously we live in this, in this world that's increasingly connected by, by commerce, trade, you know, and the internet. And I've always been fascinated with the best way to form these type of relationships where people from different parts of the world can align together, you know, with a common goal and then just try and solve some of today's problems. And so when I, when I saw that you were, you know, uh, your publicist reached out to me, I was like, man, I, I would really... Love to dive into your head to see if you see your work as a potential problem solver for a lot of the problems we have in the world today. Well, I'm not <laughs> better off you saying that than I'm going to solve all the world's <laughs> no, problems. No, but I think but, you but, are. Yeah, I think you are. But, but what, what we have is brands wanting to go direct to their customers and and a buying base in millennials that just wants a lot more authenticity and conversation. They don't want to be, you know, sold BS and they don't want to push stuff. And so I, I just, it really changes the, the whole dynamic about how, 
brands work. So traditionally brands did their sort of brand marketing and then shipped their stuff off to wholesalers who manage the whole customer experience. And, and now all the fastest growing brands in the world are going directly to consumers and need to get in touch with those customers directly. So there's the, there's a lot of ways they can do that. There's, there's, social and word of mouth there's the the what i call the fat pipes of of facebook and google which uh command uh, a lot of attention and if you're not really a world-class expert on it i think it's hard to uh get an advantage because it's an auction and when everyone piles into an auction it it, it tends to drive up prices and then the last the, the third bucket and i think what we're trying to do is how do, how do we take all of these other partners out there and business development and partner marketing, people that have influence and people who reach these customers and roll them up and have the same sort of scale and digitization of a, and tools of a Google and, and, and a Facebook. But, you know, it's not a single source of traffic. It's a, it's a collection of, of partnerships. And in many ways, I think our view of affiliate marketing is, is evolving to how we digitize business development on a, on a global basis and make it, easy for people who have audience to to work with people who sell things and people who sell things to find people who have who have audience oh man that's amazing so give the audience a brief history of affiliate marketing i think you call it the wild west yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah well, a lot let, of people, let, let, let me start with just defining it okay because i always find like people have different definitions so yeah. At 10,000 feet, affiliate marketing is when a company and a marketing partner, which is often called an affiliate or a publisher, enter into a commission-based relationship that's paid for performance in nature. The term for this in the industry is CPA, cost per acquisition. I, sometimes I think it's easier to remember it as COD, uh, cost, you know, cash on delivery. Right. Uh, and almost every online business over a million dollars has an affiliate program. And, and the thing to remember is in, in many ways, it's a framework of a way to pay more than a channel itself because affiliates represent almost every conceivable form of online marketing activity from public companies to emailers to podcasters to mommy bloggers and even like digital versions of newspapers and websites. So anyone can, can be a publisher. It's just the affiliate describes the economic relationships. So that, that's what it is. And then the phases have, have, I talked about in the book, it's sort of the, the past, present, and future. So the concept of performance marketing is great. If I said to you, hey, I'll, you only pay for what you, what you get, and when you get it, you, everyone would say, I want to do that. It just it, In the early stages, it got hijacked a lot because the folks on the affiliate side and the people running their programs were, were a lot smarter than, than, than the retailers and the brands who were doing this, and, and people just found a lot of ways to intercept traffic and ways that people were already trying to find these brands and then, and then get compensated for delivering them to their door when they were almost there or back to their door when they had already come. And there were a lot of um, incentives in this, in this network model where networks tracked these programs, were paid on a performance, and then they were also the management layer. And they just, so they had, they had a financial incentive that was sort of um, not about quality. It was about quantity. It was the same thing is if Google was also a paid search agency, which somehow in that relationship, everyone is very clear that they wouldn't want Google to be their paid search agency. But, but decades ago, in, the, in, in, in 10 or 15 years ago, the way that networks were running these programs, no one, no one saw that conflict. So it started off, kind of exploded, fraud was rampant, all, the, all these things that actually made more money for the network, people just turned a, a blind eye to. And then there were some high-profile fraud cases and 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 uh, the recession, and I think everyone re-looked at stuff, and 
it really was a period of moving from, hey, every every dollar in an affiliate program is good revenue to we need to understand uh, attribution. We need to rethink what a lot of coupon and loyalty is doing. And the second generation was really about getting smarter of not just counting all affiliate revenue as good and thinking about what, what is what is working, what's not working. And then we're about to enter the third wave, which I think is going to be really different in which um, it, it actually follows the trend of, of, if you think about Bitcoin and a lot of other things, really more blockchain than Bitcoin of not not needing a centralized place for all this stuff. We have more brands that want to go direct with their, like they're going direct for a consumer. They want to go direct to partners with their program and their licensing technology. And they're coming out with essentially what are new versions of affiliate programs, but they're called partner programs. And and they do the same thing and they allow you to scale tons of partners and use technology and pay out and track automatically it just the term affiliate got associated with a lot of these large discount and deal oriented partners when you really can work with anyone under this sort of performance partnership relationship and and as long as it has certain elements and 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 scale partnerships in a way that haven't been done before yeah no that's well thanks for doing that and that's uh it's interesting how you say that because you even gave a, a glimpse of what you feel like the future will hold you know we Every morning I go today, I look at someone's status and someone's really excited about, um, the, the Bitcoin thing. <laughs> like I made 10,000, like I am glad I stuck it in and like, and then someone else is saying, man, I really wish I had invested Bitcoin. And then there's the ICO that you brought up. Affiliate marketing, you put it up in that category as well. You really feel like there's going to be, um, a rise with a lot of brands. I mean, I, I'm launching a course in January and uh, a lot of people that are signing up to be affiliates. Do you feel like that's a trend that's going to continue or it's going to, you know, end at some point. Yeah, I, I, look, I think with all the data we have, brands want to pay for performance. I, yeah. Our publishers would prefer to be not paid on performance, right? <laughs> <If you> said, <laughs> hey, do you want to take risk or do you want to get paid a ton of money? Well, the really good ones would say, actually, I, I'm so good at what I do. If you're that good at what you do and you think you can convert, you'd actually want to be paid on that. But I, I think for sure, with all the fraud and misincentives, people want to pay for real performance. And so whether the nomenclature is affiliate or partner or whatever, I, ju I just think you're going to see that grow to 40 or 50% of revenue where people are paying for outcomes and not inputs. Yeah. And, and it will have a lot of different names. Uh, and, and again, that's where affiliate is tricky because that's a name that people have known. But we have we walk into companies and they're working with tons of partners and a you know under a, a 10 or 20 million dollar partner marketing program that's using spreadsheets and UTM parameters and people mailing invoices and then sending checks and we're, we're, we're you know our answer is that's crazy i mean there's a better way to do this and that that to us is performance partnership so the, the, the downfalls of affiliate i think gen 1 was you had a, a lot of misaligned incentives you had not much transparency at all, and it was very transactionally oriented. So as long as you were getting me a sale, I had no right to even ask you what you did. When I talk about a performance partnership, it has it has four elements that I think are key. And I think it differentiates from performance marketing, which has really been muddled in its definition. You have a lot of uh, affiliate people in the affiliate industry rebranding as performance marketing because they're trying to get away from the term affiliate because uh, it's been muddled a little bit in, in the in the lead space. But then you also have like PPC and SEO firms saying, hey, what we do is performance marketing because we can we can measure uh, how everything did. But so that's why I like the definition of performance partnership, which is if there's a CPA element, which is the core aspect of affiliate marketing where you pay after you get what you want, there is full transparency where you know your partners, you know what they're doing. 
there's a real relationship there. So it's not about just a transaction. These are people that you work with, again, in a more business development way. And then you have real-time tracking and, and payment. So I, I would argue that those are the four elements that everyone wants. And they sort of, they include some affiliate marketing, but they also disclude a lot of the bad stuff. And then they start to pull in a lot of business development and partner marketing. One of, with a lot of our clients, one of our biggest sources of, of new partners is from the biz dev department where they say, look, I don't have a lot of time to talk to all these guys and do agreements with these guys who want to do five or $10,000 a year. And we say, boy, those are great people for our partner because we, you know, instead of a custom agreement and all this stuff, we can, we can just ramp them up on our platform. You get an account, here's the link, here's the terms and conditions, they hit click. And, and we just have to get 10 of those folks and, and that's, you know, a half a million dollars versus to the, to, you know, the department, the biz dev department who was looking at the 10 to 50,000 range, it, they weren't, they weren't worth the work on a one, on a one-to-one basis. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, and thank you for clarifying for that because even me, I fell into that bucket where I thought I would roll my eyes essentially whenever I heard affiliate marketing. And I'd be like, oh gosh, seriously. And I used to actually lump it in. This is probably not what a lot of people do. I used to lump it into the MLM um, yeah. phase. And I was like, oh gosh, seriously. Because there was a phase, I don't know if you remember, but it was like maybe seven, eight years ago where almost every phone call you got would be, Hey, you know, can I talk to you for a few minutes? And you're like, yeah. And it's your friend. So like, yeah, sure. Let's talk to you for a few minutes. And then within the first 10, five to 10 seconds, you realize it's, a, it's an MLM pitch. And they're like, Hey, so I've really started to do this business. Do you want to make extra money? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to sit through this because I love this person and I'm going to have to turn the person down. And that's what I used to think yeah. affiliate marketing was. Uh, but w- what you're saying is, is that it's completely different. And you know, yeah, it, it is. It is in theory. It should be paying for outcomes. That that <laughs> that should just be the. And and this is where again the concept that I talked about at the beginning of the book. The concept of performance marketing. There's no one that doesn't love that or say I'd much rather yeah. pay for you know. But but it's just how it's gotten executed and where the incentives lie. I mean, he, as as I, I use this quote in the book, but I like to say it all the time. Charlie Munger, you know, Warren Buffett's number two said. You know, show me the incentive and I'll tell you what the behavior is. Yeah. So that, that I, I think there's just been a lot of that along the way that, yeah. that has gotten it away from what it was supposed to be. So in many ways, I think it's just coming back to what it was intended to be in the beginning. No, I love it. Well, can you talk about the importance of, you know, you know, it's, it's a rise too. There's a rise of, of the importance of the demand for transparency between brands and affiliates. It goes hand in hand with what you're saying because a lot of people want to be able to see the performance and all that. But why? Um, is it critical in your opinion? Yeah, so a lot of it's from the buyer. So there's just a demand for general transparency. I, I used to talk about, if you think about mattresses, I used to talk about, you know, there were some old like just adages, like the razor blade model or the mattress model, where what a great business model. These mattress companies produce the same mattress. They use different names. They make it not be able to compare. They confuse everyone. What a great business model. And then the millennials looked at this and they were like, we hate this. You know, we just want simple and transparent and want to know what we're dealing with. And now you have the whole mattress industry being turned upside down. So in general, there is, uh, I think, a, a more of a demand for transparency. Information is, is open. And then you have to question why someone wants not to be tra- transparent. A lot of times if you're trying to intermediate something and not provide any value, real value, then that's when you demand non-transparency. So that has really spilled over into the into the business relationships. 
The other thing, and I and I allude to this in the book, is when when e-commerce first started, you had drugstore.com, you had pets.com, you had you know insert-url.com, and and these were just not very brand-oriented companies. So they were acquisition-oriented. They were get a sale, yeah. and yeah. and if you got a sale, it was all good. But then then you had you know the Adidas's and the Reeboks and the Targets and these guys all come online in e-commerce. And you have the the Warby Parkers and the more the second generation, more brand oriented ones, and they they just were not they were just very uncomfortable with this notion of having all these partners and not knowing what they were doing and how they were communicating the brand. So you, you had someone from the brand department at Adidas saying, "What's going on in this affiliate program?" And it wasn't okay to say, "I have no idea," versus <laughs> there was no brand department at Pets.com. It was it was you know it's sell and pay and sell and pay and sell and pay. So the 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 brand piece really played an important aspect because I I, I think the, it really shone, shone a light on the don't ask don't tell era of affiliate marketing that had been going on for a while. No, no, I, I no, I completely agree. And with you, it's it's you have this book. We're going to talk about it more. You've already talked about the the elements in the book, but uh, for those listening, we're talking to Robert Glazer, the author of Performance Partnerships: The Checkered Past, Change in Present. An exciting future of affiliate marketing, and um, you know, came out in May, and and it's you know, it's eye opening, it's informative, but I really, really am excited to have you on the show because I want to talk about a lot of things that you've coined. I don't know if you coined this term, but you've certainly popularized it. So you, you talk about the Uberization of marketing, right? And yeah, what do you feel we like we can learn from Uber and Airbnb and all these people that have set up their own in-house marketplaces for market partners? Yeah, so this dovetails a lot, the concept, you know, this book, uh, Exponential Organizations, has been mentioned to me, I think, eight times in the last four weeks, so I ordered it, it's on my, I feel like I've heard everyone talk about it, so I I know what it's about, but, (laughs) you know, the ability to sort of focus on your core and and, and not have an asset-heavy organization, so all these marketplaces, Uber, Airbnb, they, they, they grew quickly because they built the marketplace and they didn't have to, Airbnb didn't acquire a lot of homes and Uber didn't have to buy millions of cars. And they created the rules and conditions by which people could operate and, and they were able to scale tremendously. And I, and I think this is coming to marketing. And instead of marketing departments trying to do everything well, they can create a marketplace. And if you think of, of Gen 1 of this, it would be more like a 99designs or a logo tournament where you could, instead of finding a branding firm, you could get 500 people to design a logo. That was sort of on the operational side of marketing where they could crowdsource. But now think about this is and, and this really applies more to white label or SaaS based programs where they're really run under the company's name. But think about taking that approach and saying, look, if you are a, we just figured out how to market on Instagram and now there's Snapchat and now there's WeChat and the next thing. And if you know how to do this and you follow our rules and you use our tracking platform and you do this transparently and you know how to, I, I'll, I'll pay you to figure this out for me. Yeah. So that's, that's really the, the crowdsourcing aspect coming to enterprise marketing. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that people won't have marketing departments, but they may be more strategic and centralized. And they might look at this similar to how these marketplace companies do and say, how do, how do we find a guy who's awesome at Facebook in you know Russia? and Or I need something in Lithuania. And there's a partner there. And, and, and rather than having a contract and all of them, you say, look, this is the outcome I'm looking for. You sign up for our system. You get an account. Here's the outcome I pay on. Here are the rules. 
And if, as long as you play fairly and transparently, you can go do this for us in this market or with this product. And that's very scalable. And as I mentioned before, when I talk about the, the sort of fat pipes, you know, that helps you build a fat pipe for partnership that starts to look like the reason why brands spend so much money with Google and Facebook is because they make it very easy to do that. Think about how fast you could deploy a million dollars on Facebook versus trying to do it across a portfolio of business development partners. Well, this, this framework lets you bring that sort of speed and scale to, uh, to your marketing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, no, it's fascinating. You say that I'm a millennial, right? And I have a lot of, um, <laughs> it's interesting because I work in a lot of workplaces and sometimes when I go into, into that to consult, whether it's diversity, inclusion or, or just, um, general, you know, workplace related stuff. I have a lot of people in private doors uh, who will tell me, I hate your generation. You be, you people never stay physically here. I feel like I have to, I have to like set up this travel background. I have to make a flexible thing and they put air quotes in that. But what you're, you're explaining though actually helps out with that flexibility where you don't necessarily have to be in the same office, but you, as long as you're providing results for the company and you can right. see the metrics there, it actually does help the company. And so, yeah, let me, let me just on that to on that point. Let me ask you if I said, look, I can put some seventy five thousand dollar a year kid in a seat, and he's got to sit in a seat and not leave, or I could give you fifteen people that are working all night overnight because they have incentive to do so on growing your business, and they only get paid if it works. You know, which 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 do you prefer? Well, I look. I respond in the very I respond in a very similar way because I always ask yeah. about well, are the results being done? And it's about adjusting, and it's not like um, it's not like the flexibility that we're we're promoting anything is actually taken away from from the work. It's actually cutting your costs for, for a lot of the the office space. Right. And and you don't you, know. you don't sit down with your employees at the end of the month and decide whether you're going to pay them based on their performance. I I often say that I think contractors and partners and affiliates where they're held to a much higher standard than employees. Yeah, yeah, no, and and, and that's that's why I, I love what you're saying because you're actually giving people you know access and you're actually painting it in a way where you're saying look. I know it's gotten a bad rap, but this is actually basing performance. And that's what you ultimately want. And that balloons your profits, but also exposes you to a potential wider, um, you know, user partnership base that could actually expand your product in an audience that they can only, um, reach as opposed to you. So you're actually helping them, them out with that. So, exactly. uh, we just had an interesting election. Uh, <laughs> and, um, one of the terms that was popularized during that election was fake news. Now, you call this the fake news epidemic. This is like you, you basically have an inside look into this underbelly of affiliate marketing and what marketing leaders need to know to make sure they're not hurting the brand's reputation. How has fake news seeped into that, uh, into your world? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, so people made a lot of money uh, in the first generation of affiliate marketing with pay pay-per-click trademark bidding, where they where they bought the company's own brand which was people trying to navigate back to the brand and they bought it for a few pennies and then made a percentage and the company could have done it themselves. So that was the big thing that people had to look out for. I think when you're not running an affiliate program uh, with cl- careful controls, you run the you run the risk of your affiliates doing stuff, like I said before, that are off-brand or that damage the brand. And a lot of brands, you know, there, there are some products out there and this is where it sort of runs in MLM and I was on Dr. Oz talking about this issue with Barbara Corcoran because there was a, you know, a company out there that sold some overpriced face cream that was probably like basic cream you could buy for $2 and thing. Yeah. Said it was miracle, miracle cream for $70 a month and they would sign that. people up forever. Yeah. And then they would offer, you know, anytime a, a brand's offering a 50 or 60% commission, you just have to worry about their margins anyway. So they would offer that commission to publishers. So now if they get people to buy this cream that they get a $50 commission and and so what publishers would do is they'd go on social media and they would target people and then they would use celebrity names. So this is where it gets a little scary. And and it's similar to all this stuff with uh, how the, the Russians and Facebook and targeting people that they knew were predisposition to share this stuff. So, you know, let's pretend this is a magic weight loss thing or it's an acne thing. You know, I, 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 I'm a smart marketer. I get an account on Facebook. I build a landing page. I say that Dr. Oz has has endorsed this product and I target someone who has talked about their weight a lot or has talked about their acne a lot. So now I'm I'm targeting them because I know that they they they've you know not realized they shared this information with marketers and I'm I'm putting a a fake endorsement behind it and if the brand's not paying attention to that then they could ultimately be liable. Some of the brands are 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 doing this on purpose because they're sort of like pop-up overnight brands. But let's imagine that this was GNC or a legitimate brand. I mean, they have a responsibility to make sure that their partners are not, are are marketing their product in a, in a, in an ethical and legal way. So it's, it's, you can't just turn, you can be responsible for, for uh, your publishers and your partners. So that's why you need to make sure that you have a program in which transparency is, is paramount. If you have yeah. someone, there are a lot of people who are managing a program and a publisher is $10,000 of sales in the first month and they say, great. You know, when we do it, we, we would say, hey, hey, uh, Jim, great. Thanks so much for uh, joining our program. It seems like you're really off to a great start. Could you share a little bit more about your tactics or how you're promoting our brand? So we, we, we tend to get concerned when people fly out of the gate too fast. So I, I think that is the issue. Um, Google and Facebook have had a really hard time, you know, determining what's real or fake. Or and I know they're working on it, but a smart marketer can 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 target people and get them to a landing page that is just has a whole lot of made up stuff and use that to to try to get a sale out of them. Yeah. No. This is good, and this is such an education for me. And and. Uh, you know, you're you're not only helping to correct stereotypes, which is something we aim to do with this podcast as well. Is you're just actually showing us a path to more profit and more fulfillment uh, in many ways. And I tend to see things in 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 longer longer term views, in the big picture view. And yeah. I ultimately see a world where people are happy doing what they want to do. 
Right. And they have the flexibility to do other things. And, you know, my goal is to build the next set of global leaders. And which is why when I said you're actually doing more to change the world than you think you are, it's you're empowering people to feel like they are in control of their careers. And I think that's a very powerful thing to do. Yeah. So you so let's say you become, to my early example, you become the Lithuanian Facebook guru or the Lithuanian guy who's figured out all the best publishers in Lithuania. When every brand wants to go into commerce in, in Lithuania, they want to add you to their partner program. You know, you can, you can really develop a, a specialization and own it and, and be paid for that. And, and that, and you might be working with 10 or 20, you know, worldwide brands, but they, you know, that, you know, that little piece better than they know it and better than they can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. So, um, you know, we did the behind the scenes a little bit, but I want to go a little deeper with you. I want to, I want to hear about those failures, those tough times, those moments when you, when you first, I mean, look, you're in Dr. Oz now, you're a global bestseller and this is great and I love it. Uh, but you know, there's someone listening out there who's thinking, ah, man, Robert seems like he, he's got it all together. I just like, he's founder, managing director. He's getting media features. His books are selling. Uh, you know, he's like driven over $500 million in, in online revenue. What can you say about your initial stages uh, and the tough times that you, you know, that led you to here? What can you say about those periods that uh, you can turn into lessons for people listening out there? Yeah, I would say my my first twenty something years were a lot of failure and 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 underachievement. I think, as I mentioned earlier, I was probably always entrepreneurial. I was extremely non-conformist and as is true for a lot of entrepreneurs. And that's just not a great thing to be when you're 13 or 14 or 15 and, and everyone wants to do the same thing. And you're like, I don't want to go stand in line for that. I don't want to do that. And this, this seems backwards to me. What actually serves you well later in life really doesn't serve you well earlier in life. So I, I, you know, like I said, I, I had those entrepreneurial, I had probably those leadership skills or talents. They just weren't identified or, or, or reinforced. And, and so school to me and education was, was, boring and I, I look back later and I you know was diagnosed with with ADD it's a very very common sort of track and and I had to sort of discover this love of learning and realize that sort of learning and formal education weren't the same thing and when I started learning then I just wanted to learn a lot more but the real turning point for me and there's been a lot of failures along the way and you know this month and this year and this decade but it was really Figuring out who I was and making the decision to align everything in my life around that. And, and that's what, to me, that's what authentic leadership is. I think before I got deep into some leadership training, I, I, I presented this recently that my leadership style was like a patchwork quilt. It's like, oh, I like what he does and she does and they did. But it wasn't, it really wasn't really authentically me. And when, when you do one of these or some of these deep programs, it's like, who are you? What are your core values? What do you want to be? And then if you can build out from your your core purpose and core values and align the people and activities and everything around that, everything just becomes easy. And and that was a that was a hard process and that was a long process for me to go to. And I, I just think the difference between the last five years of my life and the the first thirty five or six is alignment and and just you know I, I'm very clear on who I am and what I value and unapologetically and. You know, people who want to come on journey that I want to have with me, great. If not, then there's a better journey for them. But I'm not trying to act like anyone or pretend to be anyone or think that success. I used to think that success meant 
a little bit being someone that I was not in certain situations. And now like I am just who I am for, for better or for worse. And it, it, you attract the people that you want to be on that journey with you, particularly when you're building a company culture. You know, we, we have a great culture. We, we just have won a ton of awards recently on best places to work. And we have a, a big one coming out uh, next Tuesday on, on one of the best places to work in America. And I would say that's great, but it, it's the right place to work for the right person. I, I think there are a lot of good places to work that, that, that wouldn't be good for me because they're not aligned to, to my values and, and what I like. And, and so for, we just try to be really clear in all of our marketing. And even if you go on Glassdoor, here's the type of person that will really love working at Acceleration Partners. And here's the type of person that, that won't. It's not a right or wrong, an absolute. It's just who who's a better fit because um, everyone's a fit somewhere. Yeah, yeah. The thing that I love that you said, and I champion this often, and I hear from many many of the entrepreneurs, it's, it starts with self-awareness. You really have to know who you are to, to be able yeah. to know what you can do and how you can – or to even be the change, change maker you're capable of being. So when you know who you are, you know what your values are, and then you know what you're – you know your missions, your your visions are right. Um, you're able and that's, to. And, oh, so go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I was gonna say, and I, I was just gonna say that's where resilience comes from. I have a mentor who's really stressed this that when you're when you know your changeless core, that's what resilience is. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna be resilient about things I don't care about, right? I'm I am I am very passionate and very resilient around uh, the 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 spectrum that I want to be excellent at and where I want to make my mark. And, and I think that's what you find is that people who are resilient have, have figured it out. They're not worried about what everyone else is doing. They've actually peeled it back and started to look at who they are, what they want and who they are, are, are always were. I, I recently dug up, my parents are, are getting ready to move and, and my mom's getting rid of, you know, all the stuff. And it was sort of my drawer of report cards and all that stuff. And I would encourage anyone who's in their twenties, thirties report, go back and read your report cards. If you want to know who you are, it's, it's actually there. This, this, this two-page report of me when I was five years old by my preschool teacher could have been written last week. And it, 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 is, it is striking to read it because I think had I taken that along the way with me to other teachers and said, look, this is, this is who I am. Like, tell me how to get better at this. Don't, don't fight it. I think, I think a lot of our teachers, there's a speaker named Dave Rendell. He has a speech called The Freak Factor. Um, he has ADHD and he talks about his whole life he was – told to sit down and shut up in class and now he stands up and speaks for ten thousand dollars an afternoon and he said if anyone ever told me i could stand up and yell and get paid i would have been very clear that that's the job that i wanted to do so yeah i i i I, that's that is look there's a lot of hard work needed to become successful but but it all starts with figuring out that changeless core and 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 making a commitment to align around that absolutely and what you're so right and what i was going to say with that is that you know, once you know your core, you're able to know the type of environment that you succeed in. So because that awareness understands, OK, I'm not in an environment that's actually going to allow me to propel. And then you change your environment. And once you change your environment and you start to develop this this growth mindset where you're, you're you know, your value, you're obsessed with learning more about it. You start to right. really feed yourself with that. And then you, naturally your environments change. You know, it's always funny when a lot of athletes or celebrities get bigger. They, they always say you know, one of the things that they first had to realize is that. They're not the same, you know, they don't hang around the same people because people yeah. don't think the same way. And a lot of times some people say, oh, you've changed, you've changed, what's wrong with you? And, um, and it's not necessarily that they've changed, it's that they've just gone towards their higher self 
And in that level, the type of people that they hang around to make sure that they stay competitive or even grow is completely different. And so listening to you uh, talking about the self-awareness, talking about having a mentor, talking about how that applies to something you're passionate about, which is performance partnerships. Those three things are what I feel like I want everyone listening to, uh, to this podcast to get, you know, that obviously I want you to understand the, the importance of affiliate marketing and performance uh, partnerships, but also understanding how Robert here uh, really figured this out by, you know, tracing and connecting the dots back and understanding my report cards always said this. I've always been this way. Why am I going to be something different? You know, right. and, 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 and it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good and it's not natural. And it's, you give yourself permission to quit all the other stuff. You know, this is coming out right around the first of the year. And one thing I, I, you know, I always tell everyone, I would challenge listeners and you and I always do, yeah, you're going to come out with all the goals and all the things that you're going to do in the year. One of, one of the things I do as part of my planning for each year is what am I going to stop doing this year? And, and that list is actually as important. Who am I going to stop doing? What am I going to stop doing? And, and, and the relationships that you get out of. Uh, you know, my, my midlife crisis is not cars or anything like that. It is, it is relationships of significance. And I, I really resonate with what you said because as I've, as I've, I try, tried to get, to get better and improve my life and, and, and hold myself to a certain standard, there's just a certain people that I want to spend time with. And there's other, other people that they're nice and, and for years, but I realized like, wow, I just, I've seen this guy once a year. There's, there, there's a guy, I just said this, um, friend of mine, Connor O'Neill, who I see about once a year, and he, he, he's a public speaking teacher out of, out of Spain in, in an entrepreneur network with me. And we sit down for 10 minutes and just have an unbelievable, meaningful conversation, which I get a ton out of it. He gets a ton out of it. And you know, maybe that's a couple hours a year. And then there's these other conversations that are just over and over about, about nothing. And so I'm, I'm, relationships are a key part of how you want to spend your energy. And you don't need to burn bridges, but you can just decide which relationships are going to get your energy and which ones aren't. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, you said that. And this is, this is my favorite thing, you know, to do podcasting. And, and <laughs> it's just, you know, it was just because I get to meet people like yourself who are talking about these things. And I, I love to just peel back and see what makes people who they are. And so one of the things that obviously is, is a big passion of yours is, is your newsletter. You know, I, I mentioned it in the intro, talked about, you know, me being part of that. And, it, it, you know, I believe that you send that. I don't know how many, I mean, is it every week or? Every yeah, week? it's every, it's, it's every Friday. Every and Friday. it actually started two years ago right. as just a note to my team. And people started pouring it to their family and otherwise. And I started to require a lot of work. And actually, it was one of these discussions of, hey, this is a lot of work. Like, is there any commercial value to this or why? Why? And then I said, you know what? This is, this is just totally aligned with multiple of my core values. So I, I just, you never go wrong again to the sort of being aligned. This is just, this is just right in the square of things that I should be doing. And so I, I kept writing and I kept sharing. And two years later, uh, 30,000 people globally get this email. It's opened up all kinds of conversations and doors for me and is, is leading to a second book uh, that's going to come out next year, sort of around a lot about what I learned from Friday Forward and building up, trying the philosophy of building up capacity in your, in your team holistically rather than focusing on just, just making them better at work. Yeah, no, that's good. And for those listening, make sure you... You check it out. I'll put a link to it, but his blog is called Friday Forward, um, and it's it's really 
It's one of those type of things you you know you wake. I I saw this morning. I was reading, you know, because I woke I woke up early and I was like, oh wow, this is actually really really introspective. It's like you know that you just have to think. <laughs> and yeah, it's 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 challenging and connecting at the same time. I think that's the formula. I, I actually, after two years, I finally. I, I, it's a morning time coffee thing and I, I send it at seven o'clock, but I, the, the email company use finally supports time based zone based sending. So this was actually the first week where everyone got it at seven o'clock all around the world. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see if that changes how, how people read it. You know, I was just about to say that because with my morning routine is usually I read like Seth Godin's blog and then yeah. yours came. I was like, okay. Okay, right forward, <laughs> coming around the same time. <laughs> so, I'm and, trying to hit people at morning routines. That yeah. is the that is the target type audience who like to read and reflect in the morning. Well, you're a pro at this because this segues into my next question. I was going to ask you. I mean, I don't know if you've done radio or TV before, but Robert, this is good because I wanted to ask you about your routine. What is your daily routine? How do you um, maintain consistency with your excellence? Yeah, this has also been an evolution about learning what works, it doesn't work. So I, I adopted a lot of the how Al Rod's the, the Miracle Morning uh, routine. So I get up early, much earlier than I used to. I read something, I write or I write in my journal. Uh, try to I use a Headspace uh, for meditation. Some take time, gratitude, kind of the whole. He has this thing called uh, Savers which is uh, scribing, uh, affirmation, visualization, reading, and uh, I'm, I'm missing another one. But I try to spend, before I get into email or any of that stuff, uh, really defensively, I try to spend a half an hour to an hour. I also took a lot of those things and I organized them into something that I call the whole life dashboard, which is something I go through every morning. So it has my core purpose, my core values, my quarterly goals, uh, key relationships, even three and five year goals, and 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 I boil it down to the three things that I need to get done that day, and I, and I find that a lot of people really confuse ur- urgent and important, and the things that they want to do, they never make progress towards. So I'm trying to reorient around my my goals every morning in developing my to do list, and then we we post this actually in a Slack channel in our company uh, around the the three things I'm going to get done that day. And it's just, a, it's just a good discipline. So that's what I do. I've actually, I used to be a breakfast meeting guy because I hated lunch meetings because they kind of broke up the day, but I am now a, a no meeting guy in the morning. I really try to keep eight to 11 open for doing work or exercise. That's when I'm at my sharpest. That's when I'm better creating, editing, otherwise. And then I like in the afternoon, I'm great for meetings, podcasting, you know, any of that stuff that, that, that just better for me in the afternoon. Once I, I also just feel better that I've cleared off my stuff and I've gotten, once I've gotten those three things done, then I have permission to sort of deal with the other things those days. So that's, that's my routine that I uh, have been doing for a few years now. And I've seen really good results from it. You know, um, I love exactly what you're saying. Cause I think how you, st- I love that you even changed it. Cause um, how you start your morning is really very important. This yeah. morning on Instagram, I was putting together something cause I always, I always try to get people to really start today on a positive day because you can really, I believe in mindset. I believe that, you know, um, you know, practicing that would actually determine the rest of your day. So I said something to the effect of, you know, don't worry about all that needs to be done. Think about who you need to be in order to get it done. All right. Um, and you can do this yeah. by focusing on what or who you're grateful for. And, you know, you do this by practicing positivity, even, you know, even when you're broke, you know, you feel dejected 
or, or, you know, sad or any of those focus on what's working in your life rather than being fixated on what isn't. And then once you start to make that a daily practice, you, you're grateful yeah. for your dog, you're grateful for your arm, you're grateful for your teeth, you know, whatever you do, you find a, a great uh, reason to be proud, to be grateful. It then becomes something you can build on. And gratitude, I believe, is the most powerful connection to your higher self because you will always, you will always be able to find something positive to tap into. And once you do that, life becomes easier, and you don't get caught onto that comparison um, game where someone else has a, a talent that you don't have. You actually embrace and love who you are, and you're grateful for stuff. Yeah, and you just lock into what what you want to do. The 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 two worst things you could do in the morning, which I think is what most people do, is is turn on the news and look at your email right nothing good happened overnight the news is terrible so everyone's starting the news negative that's actually where friday forward came from so it was like hey if part of a morning routine is is reading something inspirational i i I can't do it every day but what if i just develop a collection of these stories and and people maybe who come into it later could pick one each morning and read them and and that that was sort of the 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 goal but I, the, the urgent important thing I think is where most people really, really, everyone's too busy. No one has enough time. The, the, the really high achieving people figure out what they're going to get done and what they're not going to get done. Yeah. So, so the biggest mistake people make is, oh, I'm going to put, I'm going to knock off, I want to write a book, but I say I'm going to knock off the dry cleaning and then this and then all these things are important. They feel, they feel successful and they checked it off versus, then the book just sits there and the book is never written and the book is never written and never written. And this is why I like this commit to three concept because I, I think you have to chunk off these bigger goals. Like I want to write a book. So that's my year goal. I want to write a triathlon. I, you know, I need, you can write a book by writing a page a day in 10 minutes. I got to do a page today. I gotta, so instead of saying I was too busy, I think people see these large goals and they see, seem too insurmountable. Part of my process in the morning is to figure out what I can chunk off towards those larger larger goals. I mean, I have a goal to quadruple the subscriber base for Friday Ford next year. That is not just going to happen. I have a list of 10 tactics that I think would help. And so when I'm picking those, those three things every morning, you know, one of those tactics or acting on it that day is usually on that list. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, you know what he's talking about, ladies and gentlemen, he's talking about setting a goal big enough that he needs to grow into the person to achieve that. And that, that's what I always tell people to do, which is what you're saying. You, you, you have a goal, then you make your daily practice be those small steps towards that. And, and a lot of times you find that you surpass your goals. I had a goal this year to read 12 books. I'm going to finish my 37th this week, right? And right, and you, 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 know, you can do that by reading, say, committing to just 30 pages a day. Exactly. Would probably get you there. Or, or another thing I always tell people to do is to figure out their learning styles. Back in the day, it was only through physically leafing through books, and that didn't account for people with dyslexia or, or things like that. Now you can learn with audible you, there are even some video courses so i i just you know uh you touched on it there the great leaders have effective time management habits so whenever i'm in trying B- busy to, is not an excuse and yeah I was it's not an excuse that's, 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 that's Every, everyone's too busy if you're waiting for more time to come it's it's not going to come but if yeah. you looked at how how you spent your time that you're making the choice every day and if you if you don't let your house self off the hook for that that's a better accountability than just saying i was too busy to do that yeah yeah take make it take advantage of the transit moments the laundry the, all that there there's always another way to learn something and consume something is what i was getting at but nah, no this is this is such a powerful podcast we're, we're getting ready to close here so i want to give you a chance to just talk again about this book where people can get it and how people can connect with you sure best place to go is performance partnerships 
Uh, you can Google that too and you'll find it. And uh, the first chapter is available to all the listeners for free. You can download it on that page. Uh, you can also find more about me at uh, Robert S, as in Sam, uh, robertsglazer.com. Or if you want to sign up for Friday Ford, you can go to fridayfwd.com. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely make sure we'll put that in the show notes. And as you can see, and you, oh, well, you can't see, as you can hear, <laughs> um, Mr. Glazer here is someone that's uh, definitely, you know, you know, walking and talking, someone that, that has gone through everything, but he's also showing you that, you know, you can, you can seize your own future and you can seize your own today and own the moment. So I want to thank you for coming on the show, but I can't let you go without asking this pivotal question. This is my mission statement. This is, um, the reason why I start or do anything I do, I, I say, use your difference to make a difference. So I want to know how you, Robert, use your difference to make a difference. Yeah, I, I my difference is trying to make things better. So I, what I've come to realize, I think everything I do is about trying to figure out a better way for myself to do it. But I think Friday Ford and a lot of the other things I do are about how, how do I lift up and elevate people uh, along that journey and with my journey so that I can prove things for them as well. Perfect. Perfect. Well, make sure to put that in the show notes. And want to thank you for coming on the show, Robert. And um, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.